0: 6.30 Chad, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.
1: At center ice, it's Connor McDavid. He's got Darrell Walker, and he's got some room down the sidelines. McDavid to Everly dishes off, what To the
2: 30, 20, 10, 5,
1: star. Touchdown, Eskimos!
0: Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. Six thirty, Chad.
1: The trade deadline in the books for another year. The Edmonton Oilers fairly quiet. A couple of deals. They sign an OHL free agent. You can reach me if you want to talk. 780-496-0063. You can text 630-630. The deal that happened today, a minor league one. The Oilers get Justin Fontaine from the New York Rangers. He'd been playing in the AHL with the Hartford Wolfpack. He'll join the Bakersfield Condors. And the Oilers give up Taylor Be- in that deal. He played a few games with the Oilers this year but mostly had been in the AHL and of course last night the Oilers get David DeHarnay from the Canadians Brandon Davidson goes the other way. The Oilers also sign Ryan Mantha to an entry level contract. He's the captain of the Niagara Ice Dogs in the Ontario Hockey League. He's a six-foot-five defenseman also their leading scorer and you'll hear from him later on tonight. Hey thanks for tuning in. It is 6.06. It's Inside Sports on 630 Chet, my name is Reed Wilkins. The Oil Kings in action tonight. They'll be playing the uh, Kootenai Ice. We'll keep you updated on that once it gets going at 7 o'clock. Just two games in the NHL this evening. The Hurricanes lead the Lightning 2-1. That's early in the second period. The Penguins and the Blackhawks about to get underway. Now the Oilers, as uh, in terms of the on-ice personnel, Day off, they'll get back to practice tomorrow. David DeHarnay expected to be on the ice for that practice. Next Oilers game is Saturday when they host the Detroit Red Wings. 6.30 face-off show. Game will start at 8 here on 6.30, Ched. That's the start of an eight-game homestand for the Oilers. 13 of their final 18 games will be at Rogers' place. They're coming off a uh, road trip where they go 3-3 three and three, a month of February where they went 6-6 six and six with 9 of their 12 games away from home. So, look, Peter Chiarelli, as he basically told us a couple of weeks ago, he did an availability on Valentine's Day. He didn't do too much today. Just the two moves Only one involving a guy who's for sure going to play in the NHL down the stretch here. That's David DeHarnay. I mean, maybe Fontaine gets a look, but I wouldn't say that's a sure thing. And he he said it a couple weeks ago. He said it again today. Uh, I'm going to give this group of players a chance to see what they can do. They got us this far. Uh, shirelli commenting and i'll have that clip later as well that they they exceeded his expectations so after peter shirelli did his availability he came over to our ched broadcast location we were live at rogers place inside the orders hall of fame room and bob said why why do you feel that you can give this group a chance what have they done to deserve it what's your thinking
0: my comment that hey, let's give this group a chance. I've heard that comment a lot. Yeah. You know, that's a standard comment with GMs that don't make a lot of moves. Yeah. But there's some there's some meat behind my comment. Like I, like, um, with all due respect to all the other GMs that say that, I I see. You know, I, I've seen this team come together. I've seen it come together from having each other's back. Uh, on the ice um, and and that's kind of how we've started to try and build it so you, you see those types of things uh, happen on the ice and you start to see some cohesion now that doesn't mean hey this is a great great team or it's great chemistry it's good chemistry and it's growing and and the players are starting to uh, res- they obviously respect each other but really pull for each other so I see that I've been in this business 20 plus years you can see it um, i've been parts of teams where you've seen it and we, and you've won so um you know you have to you have to be pulling in the same direction and you have to you have to see you know you, you look at the team you see how you play you see how you you come back from deficits you see how um you, you fend for another guy who's been you know hit <laughs> not that that always requires fending off but it does and i like when it happens so you see this stuff happen and and, and you put it all together and you get a you get a good fit Feeling as a manager, like some of the stuff that you're you're putting in place is starting to come come around. So um, we easily could have I could have went on a. You know, let's change the makeup here. But there was no need to, based on my assessment of this team. It was, it, the step that we, we we figured out we would take is is let, let's add without really subtracting. And um, and this team, is we're in a decent spot. Like, we've had major improvement on a number of levels. We're in a decent spot. And let's see what we can do.
1: Let's see what we can do. Well, we're going to see it. And that's a pretty detailed explanation, I thought, from Peter Chiarelli. And he's clearly, to be talking about a lot of things that we might call intangibles in the world of hockey, in the world of sports. He's talking about cohesion. He's talking about the team coming together. He said the chemistry is good, not great, but it is growing. He says they have guys who pull for each other, will try to stand up for each other. All those types of things that I think, from hosting the show for a few years things that a lot of times you as Oilers fans were crying out for. I'm not going to speak for everybody, but I heard a lot of, why do they get pushed around? Why don't they stand up for each other? Why didn't somebody do something about that hit? And I still hear it sometimes, um, but there's clearly a lot more of that team presence and team cohesion that has been there in the past. And I do think that Peter Shirelli, and I've said this before, and I truly believe it, is is pretty concerned about the type of, of person That he adds. I I, I think he really is seeking out competitive people, people who appreciate being in the NHL, who uh, are very team oriented, you know, who are just as worried about the guy next to him succeeding as as himself. And I think it helps that the player who fell into Edmonton's lap, Connor McDavid, has those attributes. And you you heard that about McDavid even back in junior. He's more concerned about making his teammates look good as he is about making himself look good. So whether you wanted more moves or not, and I know some of you probably did, and we'll we'll talk about that as we move along tonight, I, I think that in itself was a very positive explanation and a positive viewpoint, if you want to call it that, from Peter Shirelli, is that, is that there you know, are characteristics of this team that have been lacking in the past and that they are, I don't, I don't think, showing themselves to Shirelli's ultimate goal, but certainly de- developing to an at least satisfactory extent. And, and as a matter of fact, Shirelli, uh, overall, I think in his mind, sees this happening quicker than he thought it would. We're a little bit ahead of where I
0: thought we'd be. Like, I, I had in mind an area where we'd be this year. We're just a little bit ahead. Um, you know, what, what, what Chuck has done, I've done before, um, and there's time... To do it, and you have to, as a manager, you have to figure out when that time is, and you have to look at the bigger picture of where your 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 prospects are and where the evolution of your 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 players are, and 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 that's what Chuck did, and he's he's got a great team there. Um, so we're we're not there yet. Um, we're starting to stockpile our prospects. We've got some good young D coming, including Ryan Manthe who we signed today. We got to get our forwards up and running up from the prospect level. Um, so we're 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 getting there. We're just not there yet. I don't know where we are in the arc, but um, we're certainly climbing up it.
1: Yeah, he was asked about the arc of the team and uh, comparing that to what Chuck Fletcher doing with Minnesota. Clearly, the Wild are a team that is going for it this year, and I and I think we hope that the Oilers are there maybe a year from now. If if not, you know, if not, hopefully it'll be in two years from now where Shirelli is going to be an absolute. I'm going to buy, maybe I'm even going to overpay at the deadline. And I and I and clearly he didn't want to do that. We'll, we'll touch on the whole backup goalie thing and uh, on some of the wingers that were out there. But, it, it, you know, it, it, clearly Shirelli is thinking, all right, this is not the point in the team to, you know, really give something of value away to try to win the cup or bust this year. And, you know, it's... It's. I know maybe that's somewhat frustrating for some of you, because we know about the look. Ten years. We know about the playoff drought. All that kind of stuff. Well, it's it's year two for Shirelli, and it's not. Clearly, he respects what the fans have been through here and how bad the team has been. But he, Connor McDavid's here now. They're right now. I think were they ninth overall coming into the, the, the day today. They'll, I think they'll probably finish between 8th and 12th in the overall standings. They do have a decent shot at home ice advantage in the first round of the playoffs, especially if they take advantage of this homestand and some of the competition they have coming up, you know, with a couple games against Colorado and playing Vancouver at the end of the season. So, regardless of what has come before, I think Shirelli's saying, okay, this is where we're at now. The team's not at a peak so I gotta allow for a little bit of growth, I gotta allow myself a little bit of value of more valuation between now and the end of the playoffs, and then he sees again what he wants to do. You can text 630-630, the big L says, "Read the best news for the Oilers today was the general manager stating that the team was further along than he expected. I'm guessing he would have pictured them being in a fight for a wild card spot. Yeah, if that was the case, all of your quick to turn sour callers would have had this team traded down to McDavid and Talbot being the only two guys safe, that is from the big L. Dave says, I believe by not making a lot of moves, the players know the general manager is behind them and that should boost their confidence even more. Well, I mean he's, he's, he said he likes he, he said he likes the depth. He, he said he thinks this is a more well-rounded team. We'll talk about the change he did make with a guy that is going to play in the NHL with the Oilers, and that's David DeHarnay. Phone lines are open as well, 780-496-0063. Stoffer's coming up. It's Inside Sports on 630 Chat. This is Mark DeTester from the Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio
2: 630 Chat.
1: Mark Latestu and Justin Fontaine were teammates on the Bonneville Pontiacs in 04 05 and in 05 06. It was in 06 uh, that won AJHL MVP with 105 points. Fontaine was his line mate. He had. 81 points. How do I know that? I watched those teams play when I was working in Lloyd Minster. We also covered the Bonneville Pontiacs. So there's a little bit of HHL trivia for you. Justin Fontaine acquired by the Oilers today with Taylor Beck going the other way to the Rangers organization. We'll see about Fontaine if he plays in the uh, NHL or not, but he's what Peter Shirelli had to say about him.
0: I would consider him a depth player. We traded Taylor Beck for him. Um, We just felt that uh, a move was necessary from that perspective probably because he can give more depth he has a more two-way component to his game minor move uh it'll continue to help our american league team and it gives us i think legitimate depth
1: yeah i think mostly an american league move though uh you never know i mean he does he does skate well and at at times the oilers have been challenged against speedier teams but uh, clearly an ahl move for now but we'll keep an eye on uh on uh, Justin Fontaine. Okay, 780-496-0063. You can also text six thirty six thirty. This texter says, it's from Jerry. He says, Reed, it's my opinion that the Oilers will be well-rested in a few days with lots of practice days coming up. Do you think the Oilers are capable of taking it up a notch and really pushing the Sharks for first in our division? And uh, maybe Connor McDavid speaking about coming together better now that is from Jerry. Here's the thing. I, I, I still I, I just think that the way the, the league is with the three point games and how tight it is, I, I think a five point difference is a lot to make up over eighteen games, and the Sharks also have two games in hand. For me, the immediate focus is trying to stay ahead of Anaheim and Calgary. I, I think finishing second is much more realistic than trying to get first, though, hey, I, I hope they do push for it. I Just my expectation would be second in the Pacific would be a really good finish for the Oilers. They'd have home ice advantage in a playoff series, uh, I believe, for the first time since 1991, if I remember correctly. Um or was it 90? They they might have had home ice advantage in a series in 92. I'd have to go back and check. But I don't think they've had home ice in the first round since 1990. Um, I, but I, I do think that this practice time is going to help them. The Oilers this season have reacted well when they've had a couple of solid days of practice to really work on specific things. And that's the one thing I enjoy about watching the coaching staff and these practices, is that you actually can see them working on very specific details and then you can see them played out in the game I remember them you know early in the season working on you know defending the Sedines down low and then I saw it in a game against Vancouver when they had that scoring drought in the start of February they really focused on net presence and and, and that's that's the thing about McClellan there was a great clip you know I, I, I kind of laughed I was laughing more with it than at it when McClellan said you know they're human beings you got to remind them of stuff so this, the coaching staff doesn't just say, okay, get to the net more. They, they design specific drills. They show video reminding players of what happens when you go to the net. You know, they, they create drills that will hopefully make them successful when they go to the net and practice, and then they're able to play that out in a game. So I am encouraged about the next couple days and how that could lead into uh, Detroit on Saturday. We have Troy at 780-496-0063. Hi, Troy. How you doing this
3: afternoon? Doing quite well. Interesting um, interesting acquirements we got here the last twenty four hours. When I think of uh, Peter Shirelli, I think of you know, big bruising wingers with, with some skill that can uh, you know play you hard along the boards and, and get in the dirty areas and and now we we literally went from Patrick Maroon last last year around this time to no, I'm, I'm not. This isn't a knock on the two players that we got. I just, I just find it very interesting that, that the two players that we've have, we've have acquired here are both of the Linus Omark ilk. Whereas they're better players, obviously, than Linus was, but they're similar in size and stature. And I'm just, I'm just wondering what, what. I'm just really curious as to what uh, was were these trades made basically because that was all that we were capable of getting, or are the two guys that we acquired actually going to play some substantial role? I, I know Desjardins is going to plug into the third center position most likely, but Fontaine, that one really caught me off guard. I didn't see that one coming. I'm just curious what your thoughts are. And also, I'll let you go, have you ever seen an older schedule so favorable over an 82-game 82 82
4: game year?
1: Well oh, man, that's Troy I'd have to go back and look. But this I mean November and February they had a lot of road games. I I I'd have to go back and look when they played this many home games in their final eighteen though. Thirteen out of eighteen. They gotta take advantage of it though, right? I mean it's only favorable if you go out and win. I of I, I, Troy I don't know if Fontaine's gonna play in the NHL this year. He might. You're right about de Harnay, though. It's a it was a little surprising because he is a smaller guy. Shirelli did praise his competitiveness though and said he is able to protect the puck fairly well for a guy that size. The question for him and even Harnay said it last night when I interviewed him is that this has been a tough season for him. He has not lived up to his own expectations. I will say this. I think if Harnay comes in though and isn't able to perform I don't think it hurts the team. I think it just means you have to revert back to the lineup you've been using. I don't think he's going to make the team worse.
3: No, I, I, I agree with that, too. And also, I, I've been curious this whole season because there's been so much panic in oil country about Brandon Davidson and, and that he's going to get... He's almost guaranteed, if you talk to majority of people, it's almost a guarantee that he was going to get blocked by the Las Vegas Knights as an unprotected player. Now that he's gone from Tampa Bay... And Eichmann's made some interesting moves, too. I'm not exactly sure what he's gearing up for,
4: mm-hmm.
3: but, you know, he, he got rid of two very quality deep centers in a three or four position. But bringing in Davidson, he's obviously still unprotected. I still don't see him being, you know, a guy that George McKey has on his checklist that he absolutely has to have.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure who now the leading candidate is to be picked up from the Oilers. I mean, could they possibly lose Griffin Reinhardt? That would be disappointing. Um, could they take a chance on Tyler Pitlick? I don't know. Or is there still some kind of other acquisition that gets made between the end of the Cup final and the uh, and the expansion draft that winds up being someone who's available? That That's a really yeah, just, good question, Troy. I'm not sure what the follow is going to be from that yet.
3: Yeah, and it just seems to me that uh, there's 29 other teams that have a Brandon Davidson, that have a Griffin Reinhardt, that have a Tyler Pitlick, and I just don't... I know as as Oilers fans, we like to we like to look at our players like everybody else should, should want them, and these are the guys that we should trade, but I mean, there's 29 other teams that have, well, more than likely, better players than the three that we've mentioned, so I, I think everyone should just, you know, calm down, pump the brakes, because I really don't see any of those guys being targeted by George McPhee, but. Well, I really and like the way that
1: the story, and well, and that's and that's why he traded Davidson because it's a deeper team now. And I got a lot of respect for Davidson, but last year he was a good defenseman on still a pretty miserable team, right? I mean, they were second last. You know, in, injuries yeah. didn't help, so he got to, he got to play more, but he was now the eighth defenseman on the team, right? So I think that's why yeah. Shirelli thought I can have Osterley, Fain, or Reinhardt come up and be the eighth defenseman in the playoffs if it comes to that. Troy, I got to run, man. Thanks for calling. Okay. That's Troy. Chris from Phoenix is going to jump in after the news. is going to join us too. It's Inside Sports. This is Oscar
4: Clefbrom from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to the Inside Sports with Reid Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Shad.
1: It's scoreless between the Penguins and the Blackhawks with five minutes left in the first period. The Hurricanes lead the Lightning 2-1. That's late In the second period, Derek Ryan, former U of A Golden Bear, has his ninth of the season for the Canes. Basketball tonight, Washington leading the Raptors 60-44. Late in the first half, the Oil Kings play at seven against Kootenay. At Rogers Place. Your scoreboard for Crystal Glass. For all your glass needs, visit CrystalGlass.ca. The Oilers make a minor league deal. Taylor Beck to the Rangers organization for Justin Fontaine. And of course, last night, Brandon Davidson for David Deharnay. The full stories on 630Ched.com. My name is Reed Wilkins. Here's what we're going to do. Bob Stoffer is going to join us, but one of our uh, loyal callers, Chris from Phoenix, buzzed in just before the news. Chris, I'm going to give you 90 seconds before I bring Bob in, so you have the honor of opening for Bob. Bob Stauffer, tonight. Go ahead.
4: Damn, I want to talk to Bob too. Anyway, all um, well, conference of me then.
1: Hang on. What's up? <laughs> okay, Bob, you're on with Chris from Phoenix. I know he calls hey. your show too. So now hey, you got Chris. Bob hey, and Reed. Chris. Hey, Bob. Wow, I feel I feel
4: special. I feel like I'm honored right now. This is uh, this is almost Chris like I'm part of the Oilers team. <laughs> you need to uh, um, you need to raise your standards a bit, Chris, <laughs> if you're feeling special about this. But anyhow, go ahead, brother. What do you got? Well, um, I know a lot of uh, Oiler fans are probably disappointed. I, for one, am not. Uh, I don't think there was a lot on the market to get during trade deadline day, minus uh, Shattenkirk and, and Brian Boyle. And let's face it, Shattenkirk wasn't going to re-sign here, so us giving up a first-round draft pick plus, plus some assets was going to be a waste of uh, of assets. Uh, not having a second really hurts us uh, from getting Brian Boyle. So who were we really going to get? Like, There wasn't really that much of an upgrade out there. Nobody really thought that we were going to be in this position. We're in fourth place right now. Last I checked, we're in fourth place in the West, where we've been getting our butts handed to us for the past 10 years. We're in fourth place right now. Uh, we have a favorable schedule where I think, uh, we have 12 games at home. Uh, we have the second, uh, I think the, the winning percentage of the teams that we're playing is like the second worst in the, in the league, in the entire league, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. We have, a, we have a great opportunity to bank some points. Um, I think uh, Shirelli knows our deficiencies. He's going to correct these. He's going to improve these during the summer, uh, primarily after, after we figure out what Vegas is doing. Uh, I think next year at this time we're going to be uh, uh, in a different situation as, uh, as the trade deadline comes. And, and let's face it, nobody really thought we were going to be here. He, he was, he's been the general manager now, what, for a year and a half, almost two years? And and uh, he's already changed this team hundred and eighty degrees. We're tougher. We're stronger. We're pro- we're not we're not as fast, but we're we're still a highly skilled team, and we've we've improved in all areas. So I'm I'm not worried. I think oiler fans should pump the brakes. We're going into the playoffs. We have a great opportunity to make it past the first round. So,
1: all right, Chris, uh, appreciate it, buddy. <laughs> Have a, great, have a great night. Chris from Phoenix. Uh, we talk to him regularly, Bob. He's a very, very passionate fan, generally a pretty positive guy. I'm just going to read you a quick text here, Bob, too. Uh, John says, hey, Reed, I don't understand the hate Shirelli's receiving for not being active today. I understand there's not a powerhouse in the West and it's a weak draft, but we should not be spending our picks and prospects on rentals, at least not this year. You know what, Bob? i got to say something. I, I've only had a couple calls, but from the texts that are coming in, I don't know. I I didn't have the text open when we were on earlier today. You were looking at them. I'm not getting a lot of hate for Shirelli. I'm I'm getting some people saying, like, okay, we got to wait and see. Like, let's not sell the farm. I I don't know if Shirelli has, uh, you know, quickly earned the benefit of the doubt with Oilers fans or if maybe people who might have been angry when we were on earlier have have calmed down. But there seems to be, like, okay, Dejarnay, let's see how it plays out. Let's see what the second line can do. I'm not getting a lot of hate for the GM on this show.
5: I think what happens is when you're in the spur of the moment from it, that's when you get the wider-ranging views and often the dissent. Um, you know, as an example, it we went through a stretch where every single guy that went on waivers, there, there's certain people that would, some of whom were bloggers, uh, with no traditional track record of having any understanding of how to be around the team on a day-to-day basis. Uh, you know, we got to have this guy. Or we gotta, I mean, we had a guy that worked for us one time uh, with the Oilers and the Oilers Entertainment Group, upset that the Orders didn't claim a player off of uh, waivers when the Oilers did not have priority to claim the player. Like, the, he got claimed by a lower-seeded team. And uh, you're not, you know, I know one man's junk could be another man's treasure, but the fact of the matter is that it's not your right to necessarily get every single free agent that comes down the pipe, and we've seen a seismic shift here, Reed. We really have. Um, you know, I, I do think that the Oilers were sniffing around on a goaltender, but the right situation didn't break. And you got to have a willing. It's kind of like Milan Lucic looking for a, a fighting partner. Sometimes you got to have the right trade partner as well. You can't force a deal for the sake of forcing a deal. I think most uh, fans. Certainly recognize that. I got to tell you, there to me, Reed, they're not as much of a surprise to be where they're at than as many people are saying. You know what I mean? Like I know Peter said, well, he's he there. He thinks the team is a little further ahead. You know where I felt this? Like I thought this team could win 44-45 games this the year, and everybody thought I was being a homer and being crazy. I, I maybe I didn't see the rest of the West struggling to the degree that it has, but. It's been a, you know, it's been a, it's been a decent go so far. So, it's Arrow up for this group. I think the owners are poised to have a 6 to 9 year run here where they're going to be a top 4 or 5 team in the Western Conference on a on a season by season basis. And I also think Edmonton's going to be better equipped to take on rentals uh, more so in the future. They're still dealing with some some tougher contracts that they've got on the books right now, Reed.
1: Well, you're right, and I, I assume Pouliot and Fain are are uh, the top of that list. And it was interesting today. The uh, the Shirelli mentioned he was trying to trade Ferentz, basically for the for the contract uh, that would free up a little space with the with the LTIR. That was an interesting little uh, little aside, but it didn't happen. I'll read a text here from Jason. He says, given the price of wingers like Stafford, Aginla, Vanek, and Parento. And given some guys who didn't move, like Hemsky, I'm disappointed the Oilers couldn't upgrade and add a winger. The price to acquire them was as low as I remember at the deadline, but my guess is Dreisaitl's bonuses for next year made the Oilers nervous to add cap. Too bad, though, but I think they are decent contenders to make noise this spring. That is from uh, Jason, who, uh, you know, I guess wanted another additional tweak. That's that's a fair comment. I mean, it was surprising, Bob. Where's my trade list here? What do we have, a uh, sixth-rounder... Pardon me, a fourth rounder for Stafford. We had a sixth rounder for Parento. So maybe, you know, but I, again, how much would have those really upgraded the team, given where the orders are at right now?
5: Yeah, that's, I mean, definitely the bonus structure. McDavid's going to hit all of his. The possibility of where Drysdale is going to swing to with those B bonuses has to be a concern. I'm sure in terms of taking on substantial amount of money. They already took on a bit of money with the trade that was made last night. For Deharnay. I mean that's a two point eight million dollar cap hit and they were previously paying Davidson one point four five. So they took on some money there. And again they got the Canadians to eat twenty percent of money from his three point five that he uh, was gonna make based on the whole year for Deharnay. So they took on a little bit of money. I Reed, I gotta tell you, like Ginal and Doan didn't do it for me.
4: Mm-hmm.
5: Right? Like I was concerned that those guys can't skate, that they can't get there. Uh, PA Parento had one goal in his last twenty one games. This is a player that has bounced around for a reason. He's a limited player. Redeem Verbata didn't even get traded. Uh, there's a guy that had a unique bonus structure that would have had some challenges moving forward. You have to weigh the potential contribution that he could have made with how that bonus structure would have clicked in. And he's got no history in the last few years for elevating come crunch time. So lots of factors. Hemsky, I mean, Hemsky hasn't even played. Yep. How do you how do you waste an asset on that? So. I get it where the fans are saying, look, there, there are players available through fourth through seventh. I mean, I'm stunned L.A. took on Jerome McGinley. I don't see, I love Jerome as a guy, but I don't see how he, you know, how that player makes anybody better at this stage in his career. So I get, you know, to me, the goaltending, that was the one where, you know, okay, I, you know, maybe you could justify trying to improve uh, in goal. I think that's where the, the Shirelli sort of, you know, the, I don't see how there can be too many haters for the work that's been done here. I mean, the guy's done exactly what he said he was going to do. He's made a, a bigger, heavier team. Look at the difference in the, the record versus the Western Conference read. twenty-three fifty-nine and sixteen, uh, or sorry, twenty-three fifty-nine and eighteen over the last whatever uh, you know, couple uh, couple years. And this year they're twenty-two nine and six. Like it, that is a massive step forward. And they're far from done. And as the previous caller mentioned, uh, they they're, they got a great schedule the rest of the way. Let's see what these guys can do here.
1: Bob Stoffer joining us inside sports on 630 Shed. He's the host of Oilers now every day, noon to 2 here on 630 Shed. I might as well just keep rolling with the text theme. I think we're uh, doing some here. This texter simply says, trading Davidson was absurd. He's a good, solid defenseman. You know, uh, I, I wasn't overly surprised to see Davidson go, Bob. Was I a little surprised to see DeHarnay coming back? Absolutely. A caller before the news said, geez, you know, I didn't think that was Shirelli's type of player, though Peter did say today why he he likes David DeHarnay. I I will say this at least for the short term. Here's maybe a way for fans to look at it who are questioning the deal. David DeHarnay very likely is going to be in the Oilers' lineup every night from now until whenever they're eliminated or win the Stanley Cup. Brandon Davidson wouldn't have been. So I mean, in that way, I see it as yeah. as a useful move. Long term, maybe someday we're going to lament not having Davidson on the roster. But I I think that that's what it, that's how I look at it. Short term, one guy's going to play every night. The other guy probably wasn't going to.
5: Well, um, I'm with you in terms of who's going to play and who's not going to play. Uh, you know, Day Hernandez is going to play, and, and there was no guarantee that Davidson was going to get more of it. Five of the final eighteen games, that, you know, unless there were some injuries, I actually don't think they're going to lament. I don't think they're going to lament losing uh, Brandon Davidson. I think Brandon Davidson, in the, the vernacular of how people assess players, he's known as a jag, which is just a guy. What's his dimension? You know, like he's a wonderful story. It's you know, it's great what he's overcome. Uh, you know, the testicular cancer to play in the NHL. But I don't know what his dimension is. And when I look at the Oilers' defense right now, I see five stone-cold pieces moving forward. Obviously, Clefbaum and Larson have a chance to be a pretty good pairing at, frankly, a pretty good price. And then you have a scenario where you're, you know you got Sekra there, $5.5 million, And then you have Nurse and Benning in a third pairing, at least to start. That's your five guys, and then we'll see what happens with Chris Russell, who's probably in a pretty good position to get re-signed. So where does Davidson fit in long-term? And again, he doesn't have a dimension. Like, he was going to play behind Greiva. Greiva is tougher and a better penalty killer than Brandon Davidson. So I I don't think we're going to be lamenting the loss long-term of Brandon Davidson. I will say that last year during stretches between games 40 to 60, he was really good. Mm -hmm. But the fact is... Peter Shirelli changed the dynamic of the defense by making the Adam Larson deal and by picking up Matthew Benning as a free agent. That's two right shot D. And then they signed, uh, you know, Chris Russell late into training camp, and he came in and did a solid job and probably warrants contract extension. So lots of body, you know, Nurse took a step forward. Lots of of bodies in the mix, and they were deep on the left side of defense in the organization. I mean, they still got a guy like Reinhardt. I know not everybody's, you know, people don't like that trade. The fact is Reinhardt has taken a step forward the last 20 to 25 games in the minors and still may turn out to be a 3rd pairing uh, prospect. I got asked about Brandon Davidson all the time by pro scouts on the road. Best-case scenario, he's a 5, and he's probably a 6, and the others had a bunch of guys like that.
1: All right, yeah, quickly before I let you go, because a couple people have texted and a caller asked as well, impact if any on the expansion draft and I know we're a ways away and a lot can change uh, with Davidson being gone because a lot of times we said maybe he's the guy that gets claimed I mean I, I don't know if so, if Vegas takes a flyer on Pitlick after he only played a third of the season if, if Reinhardt's exposed what, what that might mean or if, if after the Stanley Cup final and before the expansion draft the Oilers acquire somebody that, that maybe somehow becomes yeah. available
5: uh, Valid point by you I don't know where we're at. I do think the most likely scenario before was that you know Davidson or Reinhardt was probably going to be the option uh, for uh, Vegas. Uh, you got a heavy Western Hockey League influence with the likes of Kelly McCrimmon. Kelly Kissio has been out scouting a lot, of former GM, lists, Calgary Hitman. Kelly McCrimmon, the former GM head coach of the uh, Brandon Wheat Kings. Von Carpin is their director of player personnel. He's from uh, Winnipeg. He's a heavy Manitoba guy. So... You know, I I think those two players are on the radar screen for sure. But, uh, I, I you know, as of right now, I have no idea. And we know this about Peter Shirelli. He tends to be two steps ahead of things. Mm-hmm. Maybe, you know, maybe they'll be one of the first clubs or organizations to have a deal in place. Who's news to say that doesn't occur with Las Vegas.
1: Bob, appreciate your time. I know you've only got about three hours sleep in the last 40 hours. So thanks for coming on the show, buddy. I'll see you at practice. All right, see you tomorrow. That's Bye-bye, Reed. Bob Stauffer checking in, and he'll have Oilers now, noon to 2 tomorrow, from uh, Rogers Place. We were there today. We were set up in the Hall of Fame room, but tomorrow Bob will be up in the broadcast booth. The Oilers are going to practice at uh, 11. David DeHarnay will wear number 13, by the way, for the Oilers. Lots of texts coming in. A lot of good ones. Uh, I'll try to get to as many as I can. Rick in Sherbert Park says Boyle would be best here instead of Toronto. The Oilers got a center who's five foot seven instead of six foot seven and can play against the bigger teams in the playoffs. You know, Rick, that's a fair comment. I mean, Brian Boyle's a better player right now than David DeHarnay. Fair comment. I the Oilers didn't have a second round pick that um, you know that Toronto gave up to get boil, so I think that's why that played out that way 780 496 is the phone number a couple of more Shirelli comments Jack Michaels is coming up it's Inside Sports on 630 Chat
0: This is Adarius Bowman from your Edmonton Eskimos and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chat
1: Well Van Halen and Adarius Bowman two of my favorite things Inside Sports on 630 Chat thanks a lot for tuning in There is a little bit of Eskimos news today Uh, in the middle of all this uh, hockey trade stuff. They have released fullback Mike Miller, who basically played on special teams, I don't know if you guys remember this from last year. He led the CFL in special teams tackles with 27, but the Eskimos choosing to let him go. All the uh, trade details, a list of all the trades on 630Ched.com, full story on the Oilers deals on the website as well, and we have audio from uh, my interview with Harnay last night, Shirelli's availability today. You can get all that on the website, and, of course, we're talking about it on the show as well. I'm with you until 8 o'clock. We have Elvis on the open line. Hey, Elvis, thank you for calling. Hey, Reed. How's it going tonight? Doing quite well.
2: Awesome. I just wanted to point out a couple of things that if people want to have look at some stats of RNA for the last four years, the guy, I believe, he's taken almost four thousand faceoffs in the last four years. It's incredible, and he was at fifty point eight percent or something for his career. Uh, yeah, to... he's
1: he's at forty seven point eight this year. But somebody called in last night said he's only taken about one hundred and fifty this year.
2: Yeah, because he's only, he's played limited. He, he didn't get along with the coach. And the biggest thing I like about that guy, I know they only, kid, they only play against the West two times a year, but if you check his stats out, how he fared against Western teams, I challenge your listeners to have a look. The guy gets points, and he's to use our uh, coach's uh, mentality, he plays inside the equipment to the bigger guys. He's a, he's a firecracker, and what would we have done? Brought up Lander to help us on the faceoff thing? He's got way quicker speed with five-on-five five play than than anybody that was available, in my opinion. And i I think he, he had a bad year this year, no doubt. But look how look how many look how many hockey players around the NHL that guys, not just DeBruler and the boys, but guys in other teams that are struggling, that that are having bad years. So I think a change of scenery is just as good as a relocation is. Can, can be a really good
1: pick. I hope so and I mean somebody texted in that that he's a better option uh than Kajula and and I think he is for the short term I mean look there'll be a yep. question mark over him that's fine I mean I know people want to boil I mean look there's 29 teams trying to trade for a guy so you're not always going to get the best guy available I I, I hope what you said Desharnay, uh I, I hope what you said comes true I don't know if it will. I can't sit here and guarantee that. I do say this. If no. he doesn't work out, I don't think it makes the team worse. It's not like he's no, created it, a hole in the lineup.
2: But you know what? If, if, if he works out, he's a great gap fill, number one. No, number two, uh, gap stop. Number two, he, he, it's depth. And going into the playoffs and, and meet, meeting some of these teams that we're hopefully going to meet. I'm not, I don't want to jinx us, but I think we're in there. Uh, we need depth. And, I, you know, I, I was listening to Bob, and, and, and I always listen to you on the way home. I love listening to your show. Uh, the bottom line is we need players like this. We didn't have a second round. We didn't want to give up a first round. And I'm not acting like I'm a GM. I'm talking as a fan. Uh, there, there's so many times where people have sacrificed too quick and where they're talking about that gauge of going up. And Shirelli's done it before. He knows where this team will peak and when he'll throw everything much like the Wild have done.
1: Elvis, good to hear from you. Thanks for calling 780-496-0063. I'll get to Jared and Jed after the news because I don't want to cut you guys short. Uh, Don Juan texting in. He says, are you saying that Benning couldn't have gotten the Oilers a second-round pick that you could have flipped for Boyle or Benning in next year's fourth for him or something of that sort? I don't know why you would trade. Well, I wouldn't do it. I, w- I would not trade Matthew Benning in some kind of deal um you know to possibly get Brian Boyle for a short period of time I, I i would hang on to matthew benning i think he's got a pretty bright future all right jack michael's coming up after the news we'll update your scores as well just a couple of games in the nhl this evening this is inside sports on oilers radio 630 chat